0: Hello, and happy new year. Hindsight is 2020, so I'm thinking we're gonna go into this year thinking so clearly. (laughs) We shall see. I'm very excited to have produced this next episode for you. We discuss hookup culture and consent and negotiating gendered expectations. On this episode, I had the wonderful opportunity to sit down a few months ago with a very dear friend of mine, Nicole Anderchek, who's a sociologist teaching and doing research at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. She'll talk more about her research, but she talks about dating in the digital age and uh, has started to dabble in research around orgasm in Canada as well. We talk about these things, amongst other like sexual identities, sex education, finding out what you like, and all sorts of other fun things. Nicole and I went to middle school together and high school together and became good friends at university. We lived together throughout our undergraduate degree and saw each other through significant partnerships early on in our relationship lives. And so there's a lot here that we have to talk about, and I hope that you find it interesting. Thank you so much for listening in and enjoy. Please,
1: we're so hungry. We're hungry for more.
0: The body of those listening is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and together we desire and agree that it is in good health. Oh. Yeah. At first I was like, is it super sweet? But I think it's just, I really should have brushed up on like my terminology of wine for doing this podcast, but <laughs> I'm keeping it pretty lay person.
1: <laughs> I love that though. Yeah.
0: Um, so, hello and welcome to Body and Wine, conversations on sex and spirituality. I'm Charlie Gray and I'm sitting here with my very good friend, Nicole Andercheck
1: Hey, how's it going? It's good.
0: <gasps> Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for the wine. Oh, you're welcome. I forget the name of it already, but I'll promote it somehow.
1: Okay, sounds good. It was yeah. pretty. And it called, was very pretty. It was called like Lola or Lolo. Or yeah, something. we're going for a nice cold white in the summertime. Because mm-hmm. in Canada, you really need to celebrate yes. the summertime. Yeah, and it's dry. The kind of the kind of heat. Like you my want. like my soul,
0: <laughs> but hopefully not like our sex lives. Course not. Never. No. Never. 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 never.
1: Ooh. Well, speaking of not dry sex lives, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. So I am a PhD candidate here in Canada. I work at McMaster University and I'm a sociologist and I do research on just probably on sex and gender, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of stuff related to some of the things that you're interested in with this podcast. So I'm really excited to chat with you. Yay! We'll see where it goes. Yeah.
0: Can you start off by saying even just more personally, why you started getting involved in the research that you did, like why that was interesting to you.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. When I first um, started my PhD, I was actually interested in sexual health education. Mm -hmm. And I really do, um, I don't think that education is everything, but I do think knowledge to an extent is power and to an extent... You know, there's a lot of literature that suggests that, you know, people who are educated about sex make better choices, they have better sex, etc. So that was really important to me. But at the time, we had a new uh, liberal government who introduced new sex ed curriculum that dealt with things like consent and all those things that I was really excited about. And so in my search for a new topic, I still wanted to be in this area of understanding issues related to sex, Mm -hmm. especially like women's experiences with sexuality. Mm That's not to say that like men don't have really important things that they have to say in regards to sex mm-hmm. and types of pressures around male men sexuality, mm-hmm. but I think like just coming from my own experiences and friends, you know, and I and I ended up focusing on young women, women in university, mm-hmm. and just like really wanting to get at like questions about their experiences with pleasurable sex Mm. their experiences in this kind of like new hookup culture Mm -hmm. that seems to have been like when I started was just like all over the internet and like Vogue was doing or Vanity Fair was doing studies and like yeah it was just a really hot topic and actually like producing data on, on what is actually happening yeah and it's kind of gained this new interesting ground in this, like, me too, mm. times up era, because mm-hmm. a lot of what I'm finding has to do with consent. Mm. So I'm really, like, passionate about this. And, like, it's really just kicked me off on a career mm-hmm. that is really directed around sexuality.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wicked. Maybe it
0: seems super obvious, but just in case it's not, can you just define what hookup culture is? Oh, yeah,
1: totally. So, for one, a hookup mm-hmm. is kind of the sexual act that you're having. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people define it more in, like as a social term. So a hookup is less about like how much sex kids are having. Mm. Like people are like, there's so much moral panic right. around young people having sex, yeah. but they're actually having less sex than they were in previous generations. Mm. So like to all the parents out there, stop freaking out. You're like, your <laughs> kids are making more responsible decisions than your friends were. Mm. It's more about this, like, culture that's very specific, especially to universities, mm-hmm. that really um, emphasizes casual encounters mm-hmm. in which, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm in my 30s now. Mm-hmm. Like, when I was younger, like, being called a slut was, like, the worst thing right. that you could be. Right. Whereas now being desperate mm. is, like, the worst thing you can be in talk totally. culture. yeah. So it's this, like, laissez-faire, like, if it happens, it happens. Right, if I
0: have emotions don't show it pretend like they're not there yeah totally
1: and so when we talk about hookup culture we're talking about all of like the social norms and the norms around gender and the rituals that we have around sexuality that Mm -hmm. create this culture beyond just the sexual behavior Mm -hmm.
0: so what besides the numbers of or like i guess you're saying the amount of sex that people are having Mm -hmm. is generally less are there is there anything that's like remarkably different from generations past, like in the last like 10, 15, 20 years? What are the big markers? I mean, I think technology being oh, one yeah. of the big ones, right? <laughs> but are, yeah, is there anything really coming out of the data that they're like, whoa, this is also quite different?
1: Well, you know, and the interesting thing, like a lot of people when I talk to like older generations mm. of women, they're like, oh, yeah, that happened during the sexual liberation. Yeah. <laughs> this already happened <laughs> yeah, in the 60s. This yeah, was yeah. Not new. We're glad you're discovering yourself, however. Totally, and yeah. they're not wrong, but right. there's like... More of an emphasis on, again, this... You know, everyone wants to be in a relationship. Like, Mm -hmm. when you look at data, most people do want to date and be in a relationship, Mm. but they're not... And so I think there is, like, broader shifts. I mean, also, we're in a sh- uh, societal era where people are cohabitating more. They're going yeah. to university and delaying marriage and kids. Yeah. So it's creating this, like, very specific context in which young people don't have a lot of perceived responsibility in mm-hmm. terms of finding a partner, mm-hmm. um, which just impacts, you know, the types of experiences they're having. Mm-hmm. And they're, for young women, their entitlement to have sex and, mm-hmm. like, the fact that it's okay not to rush into a partnership. Yeah. There's a bit less, I mean, it, gender norms are still there, but there's a bit less in terms of just, like, this kind of, like, romance imperative yeah. that girls have. Like, the have. guys have to
0: do the asking out, or, like, the chasing They thing. still
1: kind of do. Mm. They still kind of do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you talk to girls, like, when they're, you know, at the bar, at the club. Yeah. Which they all are. Yeah. Yeah. Like would you ever like approach a guy? Say you see a guy across the bar and yeah. you know, he think he's really hot. Would you go up to them? Well, that's like Almost for me always oh, for they, them, say they know. know. Wow. Always they say no. And why do you
0: ask why? Well, I think like, or can, do you know? You know,
1: it's so interesting because I feel like hookup culture um, has been linked a little bit with like this also influx of anxiety and mental mm, health issues. Mm-hmm. And so a lot there are some researchers that have been trying to investigate this like malaise among mm, students. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of connected to... like into, an increase in like... Yeah. And so like young people have all this anxiety already. Mm. So it's really easy for women to like latch on to gender norms where like I don't have to make the first move because right. m- then I'm not the one who's like desperate to get his attention. Right.
0: And because... If I'm already a little bit on shaky ground, then the rejection is gonna exactly hurt that much more. Yeah, yeah, possibly in like some significant ways.
1: That's why yeah, dating apps have been such an Mm. interesting thing because it's really easy to avoid emotional connection that way.
0: And what's the? Do you have an age cutoff, or is it just women that are in university that you're studying? I
1: don't have an age cutoff per se, but I would say the oldest person that I was in my sample was probably like 28. Okay. And even her experiences were really interesting and unique because she was, like, had started at a different university when she was younger, Mm -hmm. in her early 20s, and then, like, that wasn't working for her, she took time off and then went back. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so she's, you know, her people she's around are, like, in their early 20s. Yeah,
0: she's still in that bit of a transient atmosphere. Do you have any sense or measure of satisfaction of people's sex lives at this point in their lives? Like... You know, is the way that people are dating, does it seem to be working for them in terms of getting what they want? Um, No. (laughs)
1: Interesting.
0: Can you talk about that?
1: No. And it's really disheartening. Um,
0: Body and Wine podcast encourages guests to freely discuss their experiences, ideas, and opinions. These beliefs and stories are representative of the individuals that share them. Amongst laughs and bits of wisdom, these conversations can also include varying challenges related to belief and sexuality. Please use your discretion as you listen, and as always, take care of yourself.
1: Because women are having sex, but it's not necessarily good sex. And they, you know, it's so interesting because they can clearly differentiate sex in a hookup and sex in a dating or relationship context, where Mm -hmm. you feel more comfortable communicating to your partner, or like it feels less like of a quickie thing. Also, like consent is more like clear in a relationship, whereas there's a lot of young women who talk about like. Being in a guy's dorm room, and she thought they were just hanging out, mm. and then all of a sudden he's like, you know, on top of her making out, mm, mm-hmm. and like trying to negotiate that, or like she does want to have sex, but it's like you know we're in the middle of it, and then he just like whipped out a condom, and wow. all of a sudden we are doing it, yeah. and like I didn't get off. Yeah. Can you
0: talk about? I feel like this like I was just gonna say slides into, but maybe. <laughs>
1: <that's true>. <laughs>
0: um. <laughs> Into some of the different levels of consent that you were you had mentioned to me earlier. Yeah,
1: yeah, consent you know. is like this interesting thing, especially right now. Yeah, you know, people are having these conversations that should be having. They should be having, but mm-hmm. it's I'm not always empathetic when people are like, I don't get it because <laughs> yeah. it's just like
0: you know. Yeah, it's not that hard.
1: And also, women yeah. have been dealing, and of course, some men and like trans women for sure. Like. Yeah. You know, I've been dealing with this for a long time that it's like, okay, if you're a little uncomfortable, maybe you should be. Yeah. yeah. Because there's been so many problems of like, yes. yes. And the troubling thing in my study is that what I really did find was three types of consent. Pressured consent. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the stories started like, you know, we were together and maybe we're making out. And I was like, I don't really want to. And he's like, no, like we're having a good time. Like keep it going. Yeah. And then women get, like, giving into it and being mm. like... But it's, it's so interesting because they would frame it as, well, like... But I, like, in the end, I, you know, I did it. It was my choice. Mm. Even though it was highly mm. pressured. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the first kind. Right. The second is reluctant reluctant consent of just, like, you know, they're kind of in the moment and they don't want to and the guy is, isn't reading the signals. Yeah. And there isn't, like, this necessary pressuring, but, like, there's a clear way that she's going about herself. Like, right. it really reminds she's me of She's not excited the, or comfortable. It reminds me or... of the Aziz Ansari case. Right. I don't know. Like, yeah. where he just, you know, they were making out and they were in his apartment. Yeah. And, you know, she felt like he should be reading her body signals and he wasn't. Right. So there's yeah. that kind of consent. Yeah. And then there's a lot of absent consent yeah. of just, like...
0: Wow. Like, full on...
1: But interestingly enough, mm-hmm. even in the most horrific stories, mm. women don't frame themselves as like rape victims or wow. sexual assault victims. Wow. And, you know, when I was listening to a lot of their stories, mm. you know, obviously I know people who have had those experiences. I've had experiences yeah. like that. And I just, you know, sometimes I wonder when you're my age, yeah. when you look back right. and think of it in a different way. Yeah there is something to also the labeling mm, mm-hmm. that's a lot it's a lot to confront within yourself yeah, yeah. but it also explains a lot of why women don't like report things right. or like talk about things because yeah. like all of the sudden, intensity
0: that, that you means, have to
1: confront that yeah. all of a sudden you have to feel pain that if you just like put in the back of your mind mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can avoid
0: right it'll still affect you but not necessarily in the immediate in the immediate yeah wow I'm just like all of a sudden thinking about you as the receiver of these stories, yeah, like just yeah. as like an academic and someone receiving stories like that. How do you, I don't know, take care of yourself like in all of that? I guess.
1: So my research, I do interviews mm-hmm. um, in other work on sexuality, but these ones in particular for my dissertation were focus groups. So I'm also in a room with these people. I'm looking at them. Right. They're talking to each other. Yeah. You know, and I'm the, I need to be impartial. I need to like, just, you know, be respectful and be affirming, but not guide anything. Mm. Like I can't cry.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's, you know, I'm not supposed to be making them feel things that they're not ready. Like that's not my job. Yeah. Right. And my job is to make them feel as safe and comfortable as possible to tell their stories. Yeah. But it's, like, afterwards, it's really difficult to Mm. kind of, like, think through. And I have a, thankfully, a great network of women. Yeah. Both in academia and outside of it Mm -hmm. to kind of talk through these things. And I think without that, I would be very... I would find it very difficult.
0: To at least be able to kind of, like, re... Yeah, just talk through your own reactions to things. Totally. Yeah. Especially because you're smart enough to see immediately when someone's talking about a personal experience, you can link it to... The whole system, the structures, you know, the stats, kind of like other people's experiences, it can get overwhelming. And
1: personally, like, you know, it just brings you to points of your life that are just like, Mm. you know, I was you. I was that person at one point in my life, or a friend of mine was. The way they talk, it's just so uh, visceral Mm -hmm. to me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: Are there any things coming out of these conversations that seem... Really positive, like for okay. all the dissatisfaction. Well, let me tell you. Yeah. Tell
1: one me. of my favorite things that came out of my study was, and I don't know if this would be, um, reflected in other studies. Sure. Like it, keep in mind, my research is specific to a university, my sample at this con in this context, in this period of time. Right. However, mm-hmm. women supporting other women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like one of my, uh, a chapter that I'm working on right now, it's called girls night out. Mm-hmm. And it's about women like going through the night of, a night out in hookup culture, a night out in the party scene. And just like the pre-drink and like helping each other pick their outfits Mm. and like, I talk about like um, them telling their expectations for the night, so they'll <laughs> yeah. be like, you know, I really want to hook up tonight, and their girlfriends yeah. will be like, okay, we're, yeah, we're gonna, gonna make that happen. You're, like, you're yeah. into this guy, Johnny. We're gonna like, yeah, we're bring gonna him over to up. you. We're yeah. gonna set this up.
0: Yeah, you're gonna act casual. You're gonna sit there. We're gonna go totally. make a joke about
1: this thing. Hey, you should come check out. Yeah, totally. And yeah. then you know, them talking about the, the night out, and it's like, even if I don't know a girl, if I see that she's uncomfortable like definitely. I'll bring her over to dance and the, even the fact that and you probably remember this like, oh yeah dancing in a circle totally and yes. like, keeping your eye yeah. out over your girlfriend's shoulder, yes. or like you
0: said even other women where you kind of see that someone's uncomfortable you make the eye contact and you're like you're kind of you're on it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah totally definitely. and just you know
1: uh, there's a couple girls in my in my study that would talk about how like they're the house mom mm-hmm. so even if their like friend does want to go home with mm-hmm. a guy like they're gonna get his number and they're yeah. like like yes. they want to see where you are. And right. like, and here's a water bottle. And <laughs> here's yeah. a water bottle. And like checking it. Like, yeah. do you need me to come get you? And i want gonna call you. And totally. And it's just like mm. this wonderful support. support that women have for each other. Right. And I think that, that like, there's some stuff on like slut shaming of women uh, for other women. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it was so nice to mm-hmm. see a story yeah. in which women are just helping each other out in a super non-judgmental way too, like just being totally like if you don't want to hook up no problem but if you
0: do we're here for you we will wing
1: with you for sure
0: cool I love that yeah hmm is there any areas of study right now that like like you're kind of so heavily in this research yeah but is there something else that you're like whenever this is done, or if it was done tomorrow, what would you study? Like what would you be kind of interested in when it comes to sexuality? What's the thing that's kind yeah. of catching your eye, if there's anything right now? Yeah,
1: so um, the other projects that I'm working on have to do with orgasms, oh. and I'm really excited about it. <laughs> so like, long story short, there's a huge gap in men and women's orgasms and partner no sex. way. Yeah, shocker. I know, it's a fucking shocker. <laughs> Yeah, and like, so, you know, I'm I'm working on a paper right now. So we did, uh, we have a representative sample of people across Canada, a huge survey Mm -hmm. um, of 1,500 people. And then we did inter. I did interviews yeah. with men and women across Canada on okay. their sex lives yeah. individually, or individually. Okay. Yeah, individually. Is this hetero couples or is it just like anyone? Anyone. 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 So yeah, for the survey we oversampled um, LGBTQ folks because yeah. they make up a smaller percent yeah. of the population. Yeah. However, if you only have five people responding to a question, you can't really say yeah. anything statistically. Yes. So you got to kind of oversample for those totally. those folks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the interviews were was just kind of like open-ended like if you took this survey you could opt in to wanting to do an interview with us but we're we're studying a part of that is asking people about orgasms yeah and like you know it's pretty clear that for most men Mm -hmm. when you ask them how often they orgasm during partnered sex yeah it's like almost all the time i had one guy say it's mandatory that's almost a (gasps) redundant question Let's unpack that. <laughs> right? But it's like, yeah. Like yeah. men's orgasms right. are assumed. Yes.
0: They're expected. Right. And they happen. And in a way he's right. Totally. In terms of the fact that that's actually what a lot of people would think. He's just saying it in the gross way.
1: But this was consistent. (laughs) This is not not an anomalous comment, I'll tell you that. Well, and like, when they can't orgasm, it's like, it's because of an illness. Or it's because like I was mentally unwell. Whereas so many women were just like, you know, if it happens, it's nice. (laughs) I have a really great story for you. Do you want to tell? Yeah, I really want to tell you. I'm just going to
0: pause here. In the following few minutes, I share a personal story about negotiating consent and gendered expectations in the bedroom all related to things that Nicole and I have been discussing Um, and I shared this story having felt like I've worked through what that situation how that affected me and I felt safe to do so and I feel safe also publishing that publicly and In a way, I felt it was important that because I was coming from a place of strength and part of this podcast is looking at how we can build safe spaces to communicate these very real situations that affect so many of us um, and breaking down taboos that I would practice sharing when I felt safe to do so, which is now. But that said... If you feel personally like hearing a story about negotiating consent in a sort of difficult way where consent is not always respected, if hearing a story like that is going to be difficult for you and that's not something you feel ready to ingest. And likewise, if you feel close to me personally and you also think that might be too much information for you to hear, then I suggest that you check yourself. And if it's too much, Feel free to move forward the conversation about 15 minutes, fast forward, where we continue a little bit more intellectually and theoretically our discussion there. Either way, I hope that the conversation continues to be relevant and interesting to you. And thank you for sharing this space with me. Okay, so this this story is just related to, um, yeah, kind of the idea of like the mandatory male orgasm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also like a little bit fucked, so we'll see okay. how it goes. So I, a few months ago, I was kind of in a place where I just wanted, I just wanted, like talking of hookups, I just wanted a one night stand. I wanted something very not complicated, just like physical, do the deed, you know, like go into the gym, like Mm -hmm. just the exercise of hooking up. And I wanted something though, you know, and you would know after doing all your research, like there is risk involved in a hookup, right? Yeah. Whether if it's with a friend, am I going to mess up the friendship? If it's a random stranger I've never met before, is it dangerous? Is it going to be bad sex? Would yeah. I rather go to bed alone? <laughs> with a vibrator. With a vibrator where I know exactly <laughs> what could happen or, you know, like hook up with this random person. So there's kind of all these variables. So I, I kind of like chose someone that I figured, you know what? They weren't a friend, but they were like a friend of a friend. I kind of knew them loosely socially, but they seemed pretty chill And that like, if we hooked up, everything would be peachy keen, you know? And they were, they were kind of showing all their cards to me. Like it was a pretty obvious, I wouldn't really, if I, like, I wouldn't be putting myself out there by even like suggesting anything. Actually the first thing was, so we started messaging a little bit on Facebook, It was pretty clear right away. We're going to go out the next night for drinks. We kind of arrange it. He comes to pick me up in his car and he says something as we're getting into the car, calling me doll face. Oh God. And as soon as he did that, I literally was like, I paused. I was like, do I get in the car? Like this, like it's oh, just such no. a turn off, you know, like, at first, like, don't call me doll face. Take it back. Take it back. I'm no longer horny. I am dry as a Sahara Desert. <laughs> Thank you. Definitely really Dry oh, as a So I, but you know, but then I literally had me- I still got in the car, but I literally messaged, I messaged one of my friends. I was like, he called me doll face. <laughs> And my friend was like, it's okay. This is just a hookup, like you know. You that's, can back out if you want true. to, but if it seems like a good hookup opportunity, just go for it. Mm-hmm. No, she's not in the wrong, but I should have known a doll face. I'll just put it out with, with a <laughs>
1: vibrator. Your yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. So, oh, God. So I um. Anyway, we went for drinks and like had a decent time there were a few things that was a little bit annoying like he very quickly was almost talking like a little bit you know like this assumptive talk as though we're going to go out in future dates like kind of this you know where it's a little bit like you're not reading what's happening here and even if i was interested in you it's kind of weird that you're just assuming we're gonna go out on other (laughs) dates (laughs) <laughs> um, and in fact, the more you do that, the more it makes me not want to do that. Right. And also a little bit of not totally reading the, the social dynamics of the bar that we we're in where it's a fairly conservative society um, that I was living in. And he kind of keeps like reaching over and grabbing my hand, which for me, I'm like not usually into, especially like on a first date. And again, like not totally picking up on the signals of me kind of backing away from that right. or whatever. But I'm still fine. Like, I'm in that scenario. I can handle myself. And, like, again, I'm kind of just, like, let's do the deed and whatever.
1: Oh, God. So, (laughs) (laughs) none of this preemptive, like, description is giving me hope for your experience. There's no hope. (laughs) There's no hope.
0: There's no hope. Other than the fact that I am fine. But it was, no. Anyway, still, I'm laughing now. But it was kind of messed up. So, we go back to his place. And whatever, like, start making out. Go into his room, we have sex. And pretty quickly, I'm like, great, satisfied. It was like very mediocre for me. Mm-hmm. I definitely did not come. But it was kind of like, I mean, we don't have to go into your whole like research studies, but I'm also at the point where like there are certain times where I will advocate for that and there are certain moments right. where. I'm actually fine. Without that, I just wanted the physical encounter. And yeah. I know that it's going to be too strenuous to like go through that process. So right. I do that only with certain people and certain times.
1: Also, sometimes if it's not happening, it's not happening. No. And yeah. with him,
0: doll face. It's not happening. <laughs> <Like, laughs>
1: There's just <is> no way. We <laughs> could spend hours down there. That's There's dark. no way. Yeah, you
0: can't come back from doll face. <laughs> so whatever. So I turn over. I had So I had been up the night before, I think at like about 5 in the morning to work. I teach really early in the mornings. I was super tired at that point. It was like middle of the night, like 1 or 2 a.m. So I turn over to go to sleep. And right after we had sex, which again, I wasn't super into, but it was fine. He goes to the bathroom right away, comes back. Oh, God. <laughs> fully hard again. Oh, no. Okay? So he starts trying to have sex again. And I, I'm i at this point <laughs> in my life, I'm not using body language anymore. Like, I'm very good with the yeah. like, words. I'm very articulate.
1: <laughs> That's good.
0: <laughs> yeah. So no. Oh, No. I want to go to sleep like I'm I'm done and it was late at night so I kind of it was one of these weird geographical situations right. where like it would was actually gonna be, be question. yeah it would be hard to get a taxi where I
1: was okay. and actually
0: would be quite a long walk home God, that's my nightmare yeah so I mean I I never felt in danger so I will preface that yeah, in this situation okay. if I felt danger I would leave definitely I was just very annoyed and frustrated um so he continues to try to have sex with me and I continue to say no, like very clearly, not coy, not being playful. Just no, I want to go to sleep. Yeah, stop. <laughs> and and he keeps trying to do it. And Fuck he, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then then he says to me in a very whiny voice, "But but what am I supposed to do?" <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> yes. And I was like, I was like, I'm. I'm not your mother. I'm not sure, like, what you want me to do. I was like, you can go back to the I bathroom. I vomited
1: in my mouth a little bit. That's disgusting. <laughs> so
0: disgusting. You can go to the bathroom. You can <laughs> lie there, meditate, count sheets. Like, I don't know.
1: Go what? watch some porn in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. You can go to care. the
0: living room. Like, whatever you need <laughs> you can, to do. You can do it, like, like I'm not sure what you do yeah. when these things happen, but, like... I'm not taking care of that for you. And it did not compute. And he kept, he just kept saying things to try to understand anything but what I was saying. Like, you know, but, um, like, yeah, what am I supposed to do? Uh, but, but I'm hard, you know, what am I like? But that's like, you're supposed to, but it'll just be quick, you know? And, and just like, you're oh, just not God. getting what I don't want to, you know? Let alone the fact that he's never... Checked like if I even came like he just didn't right. it didn't even cross his mind like he probably actually assumed fucking that I came fucking charming yes and then he then he, he was saying things like but it was so great like we just had this amazing sex like we just have sex all night and and I was Bless. like
1: he thought you had a fucking good time didn't he yeah oh and,
0: no and so what was wild to me about this entire situation and it was so crazy because. He continued to be clingy, like, physically. Like, also then when he was, like, okay, he calmed down. He's, like, I think he went out. He did eventually go out to the living room. But honestly, it took a long time. It was, like, literally, like, ten times he checked on top of me trying. Really, yeah, yeah, really frustrating.
1: That's awful, Carolyn.
0: it was bad. So he went back out to the living room and probably took care of it in a way and then came back and was, like, trying to cuddle. And I was just in that weird place of, like, just get through the night. Like, again, I felt safe. I just was, like, very frustrated. Um... And I, I mean, luckily at this point in my life, not to justify any of that, but I just feel fine handling myself in like, unfortunately, situations. to be fair,
1: I think women in our generation, like Mm -hmm. yours, this story is not uncommon. Mm -mm. Like for, like friends, you know, like our group, people that I know, like, and then men are like. I don't understand consent and yes. like, I don't like, I'm afraid yeah. to, and it's like, you should be afraid. <laughs> you should be very afraid. Well, I mean, this is what we have to deal with. This is yeah.
0: fucked up. Yeah. And then he was saying like, I don't understand. You just turned. He kept saying that the entire night. And I kept saying, listen, I'm literally still trying to sleep. I actually have to work tomorrow again. And like, you're not even listening to me that not only did I not want to have sex with you, that's, a, and I was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is what he said. Sorry. Just backtracking about it. He said, I don't understand. Are you playing hard to get? (laughs) I was like, fuck no. I'm not playing hard to get. Like, this is like
1: this, but he, okay. It's just
0: the culture of, he doesn't even know how to read body language that someone's not into it. He doesn't know how to read that. She didn't even have a good time. She didn't come and she doesn't even know how to read a repeated, very clear no. And again, I am clear. Like I was not beating around the bush. Like, no,
1: it's not.
0: And he still was clinging and clinging. I I did end up staying the night. The other thing, too, is that um, in hindsight, I should have. So my really randomly, actually, because he's not actually in a neighborhood that's close to mine where I was living at the time. But he was living in the same apartment building as like two very good friends of mine. So I actually should have gone and knocked on the door. But this goes to the interesting thing of women feeling like they shouldn't you know bother other people if they're in a situation where they're uncomfortable you know and so they don't often speak out sometimes out of like I don't want to disturb the peace it's the middle of the night I don't want to call them
1: you know in case
0: I wake them up and that was kind of weirdly the thing yeah but anyway I I could have and I should have I think gone up to their door and they end up knowing about it later so in the end I was okay but the frustrating thing was how much that kind of a situation is depressing to me in that I know I knew that I was going to be okay You know, but there are so many women in that situation who are not or they're married to that and they're not allowed to say no, you know, and that's their that's where they live. I knew I could leave at any point. I knew I don't have to see him again. I knew I could say no. Um, I knew that we had friends of friends and that I'm I'm in a place in my life where I would call that bullshit out if I needed to. And it's the people that, that don't have that, you know, and this kind of like this like weird boyish, but what am I supposed to do? Like you're supposed to satisfy that for me, you know, that's your role. And I'm not going to listen to you when you actually say no, if he can't take a clear no, and he expects me to take care of his like sexual needs without even regarding my own sexual or any other needs or communication. How much more is someone like him going to be in a relationship? Yeah. You know, that's where it gets like really shitty to me. Right. And. Well,
1: and it's hard too, because it seems like he didn't learn a lesson from it. Right. Like, I feel like I haven't always been this way, Mm -hmm. but more, you know, especially since I teach. Yeah. I have a lot more grace for people who don't, aren't where I'm at in terms of either their knowledge or like understanding certain things.
0: We're all on our own path We're all learning. Up, and, that's exactly yeah, right. Yes. A
1: hundred percent. Yeah. And so I have a lot more grace for people, but like, even still, like, so if you fucked up like that yeah. and at the, the next morning you're like, Oh God, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, like that was bad. Right. Or like, can we have a conversation about last night? Yeah. What, you know, what happened? I clearly wasn't reading the signs or, yes. you know, yes. if something like that happened. Which I'm actually happy to It would still be bad, yes. but nonetheless it would feel less... Like, other women will also be experiencing this, which is a shitty feeling to have.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was interesting for me because, like, from from the first point that he said he wasn't listening to my no, I started educating him with, you know, but then... He didn't get it. He didn't get it. He didn't get it. And so I got to a point where I was like, I have to ignore you. I'm not going to just keep re explaining myself to you. Like I said it. So if you'd like, we can record it and then you can just like replay it to yourself because it's the same thing. But luckily, I will say like a
1: mantra. Yeah. (laughs) No means no. No means no. No
0: means no. No means not. Hard to get. (laughs) But luckily, I did have very supportive friends. And there was especially a couple of male friends. Well, so both of them actually know him, this other guy, really well. And one of the guys in particular, we ended up being able to have, like, a heart-to-heart about it. And this guy is just very much, like, big ally, like, um, really supports, like, kind of, like, women in general, women in these situations, kind of sees the implications of patriarchy and is willing to work, do his own work and whatever. So he was, it was good because I kind of was able to, in a way, pass on not only then what happened, but knowing that he would go. Yeah. And talked to this guy about it, you know, and like...
1: Oh my God, men need to do that work so much. So much, much, so much. But
0: I, so I am, I will say I'm grateful across my life for now having so many men who are doing that work for themselves and like, like with each other, um, or who are just willing to listen, you know, and really hear. That's been super beneficial for me. So, um... Not
1: play devil's advocate.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So not give the excuses or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: he's a nice guy whatever yeah, like, oh, yeah that's, God. that's great yeah, yeah.
0: he still wasn't that wasn't very nice no <laughs> no yeah, and pretty as,
1: up. as if those things are not if you're a nice guy you can't be bad to women exactly yes like that's that's, that's just a,
0: across the world we need to get rid of that notion that yeah. a nice man
1: or a nice person yeah
0: Means that they can't do bad things. Yeah. Just wrong. Like,
1: all men that rape women are just, like... They could be peachy keen sometimes. Of course they can. Yeah,
0: there's somebody's There's somebody... Somebody's
1: best friend. hundred yeah. yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. like... Uh, in Ontario, there's, like, a roundup of people who um, had child pornography on their mm. computers. Mm. One of them... Was a neighbor to somebody I knew, wow. and she's like, I I knew him really well. Wow, he had a family, wow. and like, like some nice-looking people can do shitty things. And yeah. the fact that they're, but there is this like discourse that we have. Yeah, when we like someone, yes,
0: it's hard to imagine that they would do right, really horrible, or things. also
1: be able to accept that they've done something bad. Yeah, and in your friend's case, like. Then be able to be like, okay, he's done something bad. Let's like, it doesn't mean we should just like cancel him. Yeah. But we like, we can have like, hopefully an open conversation. Totally. But it also shouldn't be always women's work to do that.
0: No, it shouldn't be. And that's why actually I was really glad because I mean, literally after the kind of like period that this all happened, you know, we like met, had drinks. And by the time I left his apartment, pretty much after that, I was like, I'm done with this person. Like I'm not. And so even when they would try to say hi to me in public, I was like. No, right. We've already talked about this on repeat. So I'm not like repeating myself. But it was great because then when I was able to have conversations with some of my friends about it, especially a couple of these guys who are friends with him, I knew that I didn't have to have that conversation, you know, and they were very much willing to like go and do that work kind of because especially for this particular guy, because you know what, like, I don't, I don't know him long-term. I don't need to know him long-term. Like, I have no long-standing relationship yeah. with him that needs healing and stuff. So it was a little bit like, someone's got to take care of this guy because he clearly could go and fuck with other people. Right. But it's just, I just don't want it to be me. So here's <laughs> the information. <laughs> You're his friend. Yeah. Go, you know, go help the
1: brother out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they did. They did. Well, I'm sorry that happened to you. That's yeah. gross.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, unfortunately, how I think common it is, like you say.
1: I think that, you know, I, I would just consider myself a strong feminist, yeah. and, like, I research sex, yeah. and yet I can look back on many of my sexual experiences yeah. and be like, I yeah. wasn't prioritizing myself, totally. and, like, there's a lot of expectations for women to, like, make men feel good, both not just, like, you know, in terms of, like, actual, like, coming, and, yeah. like, men having an org but also, like... If we're not, like, that's why women fake it. Like, totally. that's why women justify themselves to men. Because yeah. a lot of
0: people are, are too afraid to say it, right? Right. Um, so this year I ended up kind of actually not having a lot of sex, which was interesting and not entirely a choice, um, depending on the period of time. And that's been really good for me in a way. Yeah. Like, really disciplined me in a way to kind of think about who is it that I want in my bed, you know? And these being better and better able to suss out these shitty one night stands and yeah. more and more realizing that's not worth it for me right now, you know? And, um, we're kind of like for me, at least having a lot of, I think issues in the past of like of dating people who were not healthy and doing that accommodating. Right. And so coming more and more to a place where it's like, if I don't want to be dating those people anymore, what am I changing in my hookup culture? Even yep. that's going to eventually lead to just the kind of intimacy that I'm allowing in my life, the habits that I have and. So that's been kind of really good, but a really interesting journey. It's felt kind of like a diet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a really restrictive cleanse.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> Which I don't know <laughs> if i believe believing when it felt calm down.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't believe in diets. Anyway.
1: <laughs> Oh, well, the cleanses are great.
0: <laughs> this one was just not my choice. So yeah. I guess it was like starvation. That's
1: amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, starvation. Yeah. That's true.
0: <laughs> a drought. <laughs> yeah, because I... Now I just appreciate good food when it comes
1: to me. Bless <laughs> you. Oh, my goodness. No, that's no. A great analogy. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, actually, like, I actually have had wonderful sex this year. It's just been kind of, fortunately, that was, like, the shittiest, uh, like, in, you know, in, like, a year. Right. Hookups. I've had a very complicated yeah, year of dating. yeah. But that was like the worst one and it was only really one, you know, yeah. which is super shitty because I think for oh a while. Oh my life, God,
1: so true. Just like, which is, sh- it's immediately shitty, right? I mean, agree with you and then I was like, exactly. oh God, the fact that that's our expectation is just. Exactly. That that's yeah. like weirdly. But it's true. And an exciting thing. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. That was the only one in the last yeah. year. You know. Fuck. But I think like, so I have been in a partnership for coming up to six years. Mm-hmm. Holy Wow. That's a long time. I was wondering. if I mean, it's so a weird. long time in the grand scheme of life, no, but it's a but long that's time. That's a good time. Yeah. yeah. Considering my age, like it's a, it's a long time. Ooh. Um, and like, I, I mean, I've never orgasmed so much mm. because my partner just knows my body and yeah. like, we, we know how to communicate with each other, et yeah. cetera, et cetera, which is yeah. great. Yeah. When I so I was with my previous partner in undergrad mm-hmm. for nearly five, five years, yeah. like probably four and some form change. Yeah. Which is also a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had like a finite time in between right. and I used it. You did. I was actually thinking <laughs> about this in
0: the drive here. I was like, Nicole really made up for her time.
1: Like yes. When she had that window, she was
0: like, I'm on it. I I'm was gonna fucking have fun. on it. Yes,
1: And I was like, like even, you know, like again, like not every... When I am wasted, do I have a hard time orgasming? Yes, I do. And right. so when I was like laid out at the bar, yeah. hooking up with somebody, like wasn't always orgasmic? No, but it was probably enjoyable or. In other like, ways. Yeah. In other ways, yeah. Totally. Whatever that means. Totally. Yeah, even if it means being like eaten out for like an hour. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and it's yeah, like yeah, not yeah, having that. Yeah. Like I'm having a good time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, but like, I, I really. Advocate for women when mm. they are single to just like yeah have those experiences. Obviously, if they don't want to, don't. Like yes. that is a different thing, definitely,
0: and it can be scarring. If it you want to do it, it can no be bad. Of course not. Yeah, like,
1: yeah. and you should never feel pressured into it. Definitely. But if you're like open to sex and wanting to have sexual experiences, yeah. but you like feel uncomfortable with your body, mm. or like you don't know if you can put yourself out there, don't. Like, to- and yeah. like the unknown is yeah, even sexy, mystery. even if the unknown ends up being like. Mitch. You it's need the yogurt. build up. It's a build up. <laughs> yeah. And just like different bodies, yeah. different like yeah. temperaments and be- like yeah. all of those things the are newness, so fun. The erotic.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: I just like really want yeah. women yeah like in my life who are single and on yeah. the scene. Just, like, go. like just go. Like yes. live your best life. Like have yeah. fun. Yeah. And also say what you want.
0: Definitely. Like, and
1: learn what you want. And learn what you want. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it's such an incredible journey to go on learning what you want, and how do you how do you feel like you figured that out, like learning what you want? So, and do you when did you feel like you really knew what you want, or has that just changed, changed, changed? That's a Great question, Carolyn.
1: I because I feel like with my first partner, and I'm talking about maybe no, I had a partner in high school, and it, I think it was so long ago that I actually sincerely can't remember. Yeah, fair. What. Whether or not I even enjoyed it, I'm sure. I think I like.
0: Mm-hmm. I also think I that, remember you like at least talking fondly about your first memories of sex. Yeah,
1: yeah. like, I, and I do have fond memories, but I don't know what the makeup of that is, right. or what it looked like, or what right. you know, sexual was going behaviors on. we were doing. Like, I don't know yeah. what it was. I think I was also just like excited by yeah. it, and yeah. I was with somebody that like, like I had good se- good sex with whatever that meant then. I don't sure. know. Yeah, totally. Um. And, like, I was a horny teenager, which yeah, is great. Yeah, And so you were empowered and you were, yeah, I remember that. I think I was the that. one who initiated it, too, yeah. so, I, like, I felt very empowered, like, yeah. we used condoms, it was so responsible. Right. Like, I felt very educated yeah. about my body. Yeah.
0: I remember even you talking about those experiences and, like, even my memories of you in high school telling about them. Yeah. It sounded like you were safe. You wanted it. It was, like...
1: Yeah, yeah totally.
0: For all the complications that might have come through that relationship, 100%. that part was good. Totally. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
1: But I don't know if it was because like I enjoyed oral sex, or if like I didn't, like the way our bodies connected, or whatever it was. Yeah. Like I, it's so, it's so long ago that I can't remember. Were you orgasming
0: then, or can you not even remember really? I
1: was orgasming, but yeah. very infrequently. But like that was also the time where I bought myself a vibrator. Mm. Your first one? My first one. <gasps> no, 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 sorry. No. I had bought myself a vibrator before, like maybe in high school. But it was garbage. <laughs> Wait, is it a Lilo? No, the Lilo was the one I bought. You know what again. I just realized? I think our wine is called Lilo, oh. and I also have a Lilo vibrator. I have two Lilo vibrators. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn, oh, almost all of my friends <laughs> yeah. have a Lilo amazing. because I literally convinced them that they need one. <laughs> so amazing! Just... Like. <laughs> I mean... You should just start doing marketing for Lilo. They should hire me because <laughs> I've literally gotten so many women to buy one because it changed my life. Amazing! I love
0: it. You know what I have? I have now this one, because um, I have like a bigger one, but I have this one that's like the lipstick one. Yeah. Have you seen that one? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Because I am very transient. Right. And it's perfect. And I yeah. go through like very, very uh, conservative cultures a lot of the time. Right. Yeah. So it's quite handy.
1: That is so fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, the one I had when I was like in high school, it was literally this tiny stick, like the size of my finger, mm-hmm. that had kind of like little balls at the end, mm-hmm. and I think it just didn't have enough power. Like I think that's what it was. It was like cheap, it was yeah. discreet. I yeah. remember going to the store and they like were showing me around, like this might be a good like starter, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like little do they know I needed something a little more advanced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. good. I was young. Yeah. But I wanted stuff right. from my body. I feel like
0: everyone needs an advanced vibrator. I know? agree. Because I, I mean, also...
1: I, I, I think there's... Well, I'll make it. Lilo is like sophisticated, gorgeous, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, There are also some like giant ones that like look like a huge dick with veins. <laughs> yes.
0: Like really thick veins.
1: Like really thick veins. Like, like a bit too much. <laughs> yeah. Like it
0: really looks like it's going to burst. Yeah. Yeah. It's not... Actually, I don't find those um attractive.
1: No, me neither.
0: No, no. I like yeah. the like smooth, whatever... I had one vibrator. This was also super cheap. I feel like I almost got it, like, I was going to say free somewhere, but that can't be true. But it was, like, one of these ones that, um, what's it called? Where it's, like, it can go on the shaft also. It can, like, has a little thing that you can put on it that, like... Yeah, yeah, I forget what that's called. But anyway, it has that. But then this... It was also, like, the size of a finger. But it only had one setting. And it vibrated so strongly, oh my god, that like it literally felt like you would saw anything off.
1: Like I swear, <laughs> the,
0: if I put it on this table right now and pressed on it, it would just zoom like shoot across the floor. Like it's just not. So I had to throw it out because it was like not an intensity that was even fun. Like you couldn't even hold it with your hand because it would just like. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's too much. But talk about cheap, like right? But Nellie knows better. Body in One podcast acknowledges that at the time of recording, Nicole and I were based in a neighborhoods along the shores of the Lake of Shining Waters, Lake Ontario, on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. This area is also now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples.
1: Okay, so Lilo like, really taught me... Please do. Lilo really taught me about, like my body mm. and just like with your partner, without your partner, both without my partner. I, I really think that women, if they're, especially if they're struggling, having an orgasm, like learning about your body and what you need is very important. Cause I think that sex, there's like this version of what sex should be that we've learned. And it's, like, I should be able to look into my partner's eyes mm. and be, like, so aroused and, and also in love, you know? There's or like stars above. Or, like, you know, we should be, like, fucking and, like, I should just get off. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever version that mm-hmm. is, like, sold to us. Like, oh, Lola. The wine is called Lola. Yeah. Oh, Lola. That's fine. Is that okay. Close enough. Yeah. Lola and Lila. <laughs> Lilo and Lola. Yes.
0: yes. And so the that's versions. always how it is. And yes. sometimes,
1: like... Sometimes you're in your bedroom and there's like a mess, and like outside, like you know you need to be cooking dinner, and like there's a grocery list on a fridge, and things are stressful, and your best friend is a fantasy or porn or whatever it is that yeah. you need, yeah, and like that is also okay, yeah, I and think I think that's that because just giving yourself the permission giving yourself permission for whatever
0: permission. is feels good,
1: yes, yeah, and I think there's an expectation that men will just like take whatever they need in order to orgasm. But Mm -hmm. for women, Mm -hmm. we have just, like, these, like, internalized versions of ourselves Mm -hmm. during sex of what we should look like Mm -hmm. and, like, being concerned about, like, do my, is my stomach in? Like, if the lights are on, like, do my tits look good? Like, all of this shit. And it's, like, a vibrator really helps you figure out what actually brings you to orgasm. Yeah.
0: One thing that I've been kind of exploring more and more into my adulthood into my womanhood and, and even in this podcast like again I think sexuality as a term is really interesting and just looking at what is it that I even just like in terms of sensation and yeah. not even in the context of literal like a sexual encounter with somebody else even with myself just what do I like to touch what do I like to feel what yeah. sounds do I like and just you know really pulling in my my life experience balancing the cerebral with the physical, because I think so many things in our culture, I do think that's slowly shifting, at least in the cultures that I'm surrounded by, but that we're kind of awakening again to this idea that our life experience is not um, just in the brain. You know, and it's in the body also, and the body is the brain. We are our bodies, and kind of like, and also how how
1: the brain impacts the body, like exactly. And one thing affects the other,
0: exactly. (laughs) And so, kind of getting to know both and having a conversation with both. And and I think the more that we are able to come into our bodies, the more that we're going to be able to open up to that as well, right? You know, and um. Especially in a really fast-paced world where, like, it's so easy to lose your connection with what your body's going through. And, I mean, that just has, like, from my experience, overall, really good healthy implications in general, right? Like, when you can be in tune with your body, you understand what you should be eating. You understand how you should be moving. Yeah. What activities you should be taking on and what you shouldn't be taking on. And, yeah, I think sexuality in terms of just, like, understanding what you enjoy in the world and the sensations, what you want, what you don't want or is all linked up with the actual act of sex, you know? And if you're out of touch with that in your life, it's going to be hard, I think, to be in touch with that in your own bed, you know? Yeah, yeah, especially for, I think at least in terms of like going to the gender norms thing again, like so many women have been trained, right, to not even be able to identify their own wants and needs and desires. Or they're trained a lot more. I don't know if that's changing with younger generation, but I know that I grew up in that kind of... This expectation for women to be really in tune with other people's needs, almost to a, like a heightened and assumptive uh, sense, to the point where you don't often know your own needs. And that was very true in my religious upbringing, for sure. I don't know how that would be for a secular environment, but this I'm kind like of it. role and expectation for women... Oh, so
1: funny. You say keep, oh, sorry, yeah. can, can you keep
0: going? Yeah, just like this, this expectation for women to like put others first, you know, the idea of like... Being motherly and caring and whatever. Being a good partner means other people first before yourself. But to the point where you don't even know how to identify what your wants and needs are, let alone to then articulate them to somebody else or to yourself. Right. So I think just like slowly getting, if someone doesn't feel like they even know how to orgasm or know what they want in sex, well, what do you want for dinner? You know? Yeah. What do you like to do when you have free time? What would you do with your free time? Just kind of getting to know yourself. I feel like they're, anyway, they're all skills that are related.
1: So I have two thoughts on what you said. For one, like, you know, when I was discussing the paper that I'm working on on orgasms, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was telling my, uh, one of my co-writers who's going to be working on the paper with me, my advisor, Tina Fettner, like kind of the findings that like were emerging and themes that, were coming up for women mm-hmm. and she was basically like Nicole it sounds honestly like the type of gender inequality that like you could be talking about mopping the floor mm-hmm. like that it is literally the same type of inequality right. in the ways in which women don't prioritize themselves right. it's the same behaviors that pattern we take on like mm-hmm. domestic labor we take on emotional labor it's the same pattern. Yeah. In the ways in which we just, like, you brought, you brought, like, nurture, like, that kind of, like, um, the ways in which women are. Right. And it totally enters the bedroom. And to think that sex is somehow separate from, like, the pressures that exist. Yes. That's just not how things work. No. But we, in a, like, at least in academia, Mm -hmm. we see sex as somehow, like, taboo or, like, Mm. I don't know. Like to think that it's the great equalizer is a complete misnomer. Yeah. I don't know if anyone has that opinion, but like yeah. it's it is a site in which gender inequality is still being reproduced.
0: Definitely. I mean,
1: Definitely. like obviously sexual assault is the far end of how yes. we see that, but yeah. it's also in these like yeah. women's inability to communicate what they want. Yes. Yeah. Cuz often men want their partners to come. Yeah. Yeah. But women aren't communicating it and men aren't insisting that open communications happen it's just kind of like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh so many men talk about how like i think my partner orgasms i can't express to you how many adult men Mm. said a variation of that Mm. and it's like you've been with your wife for how long or with your girlfriend um you don't know you're not sure and that's alarming to me the other thing, going back to the theme of this podcast, is religion. Yeah. So
0: I don't know, or at least spirituality. Like, it doesn't spirituality. have to be. Yeah, yeah totally. it can be belief system, whatever. Morality it doesn't have to be. But yes,
1: in Ontario, and I think for most of Canada, we mm. have a dual religious and secular education yeah. system. And um, in my class on sex ed that I teach. Um, just like in academia, so it's not like a yeah. edu- it's not like a consent class or something yeah, yeah, like that. it's not like a diversity class that kind of thing. Yeah, we talk about actually use a clip from John Oliver, God bless him, on, yes. <laughs> on Sex Ed because he's like I just I love that I love him, <laughs> uh, and he has this like wonderful portion of his episode on Sex Ed where he talks about these educators who are doing abstinence education mm-hmm. and are like mm-hmm. you know like this. If you have, like, this piece of tape and you, like, rip it oh and goodness. you put the tape on here and you put the tape on there, the tape will be less sticky. Mm. Or if you have a piece the of flour The is the
0: classic image, too.
1: Well, and, like, the, yeah. if you have the piece of gum, there's an educator, mm. like, if you chew it, like, it, it loses flavor. And he turns to a clip from Elizabeth Smart, who is the, you know, young girl who mm. was, like, abducted and raped mm. when she was a kid. Mm. And she's like, I got that lesson in school. And mm. I was like, I am... That mm. chewed up piece of gum. Mm. Wow! Like, yeah, how powerful is yeah. that?
0: If today's conversation feels relevant to you, it's something that you think other people might need to hear, or it's affected you in some sort of positive way. Please consider checking out Body and Wide's Patreon page. Patreon is a page where artists and creators can showcase the things that they're working on and get public uh, sponsorship and financial support for their projects. Body and Wine podcast encourages listeners to be a part of the conversation, talking about sexuality and spirituality in places and in relationships that uh, make them feel safe. And it is an effort to help us all learn about perspectives we didn't know and also have solidarity when we need it. So if this is something that you feel inspired to support, then please check out the page. It's patreon.com slash podcast. I'll put in the page notes and contact me if you can't find the link. Thank you so much for your support in all the ways.
1: Wow. But the troubling thing is when I was talking to my class, mm-hmm. people had heard that woman speak in their schools, in their Catholic schools. Wow. Yes. Wait, they
0: had heard... Elizabeth Smart? No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. The like the, oh, the, the educators. Who, like, wow. wow. Right? Yeah. yeah. So like, it's so tragic. It's
1: so tragic. Yeah. Because also, yeah, many different people have different lived experiences with sex that is not consensual. Yeah. Let alone like, yeah. teaching
0: girls that their value. This is a big thing that has come up in the podcast so far, not just with Christians, but at least so far with Muslims also. Right. And kind of what's often termed purity culture and right. i mean that's at least what for myself i would say the majority of my healing like has been has been because of purity culture and i think actually this is why like my sexual growth and maturation and healing process had to come alongside my spiritual growth and maturation and healing process like one needed the other to kind of continue at
1: yeah. least for
0: myself like going through coming out of conservative religion I could not have come out of religion if I didn't come out of purity culture, and I couldn't have come out of it with purity culture without undoing evangelical religion. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm... So, like, this is why I think... Oh, man. I mean, I could talk about this forever, but, like, I... Like especially through my process, not only coming out of religion, but through—I mean, I left a church because of LGBTQ inequality and purity yeah. culture. I I worked for policy change within an international NGO for this for three years, and then I left the city that I came, like I lived in for the last ten years because of this. Like, for me, sexual and spiritual ethics have become one of the most passionate things in my life because yeah, they our sexuality and our belief systems are two of. I would say the most important things in our lives. Yeah. You know? And if our sexuality is not healthy, probably our lives are not healthy. Yeah. If our belief systems are not allowed to be free, we are probably not free. And I and and yeah, purity culture, like the amount of eating disorders that come from that, the amount of abuse that comes out of that and, and it affects men and women as well, right? 100%. Like yep. in really damaging, very toxic ways.
1: Men You're, aren't born misogynistic no, and racist no. and what, like whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. We're not born that way. No. We learn these behaviors. totally. And if you are taught,
0: especially through your developmental years, that your body,
1: yeah, fuck.
0: A, is it's bad, that, bo- that, that the physical world yeah. is actually bad, inherently sinful, let alone desire. Um, and that anytime you have that, that you are either being sinful or those are bad thoughts, that affects your body. It affects your ability to have pleasure and desire, healthy relationship, communication, equality, all of the things. And like within the last year, the terms spiritual trauma have become like very important to me and like that learning process. And what's super interesting in in some of the research that I've done, a lot of the research basically says that like the symptoms of spiritual trauma are essentially the same in people who grew up in religious contexts compared to cults. Oh, my God. Like,
1: almost, ex- all,
0: almost the same, except when you have these extreme cults. Right. Um, like, you know, very, very, very close, like, community kind of things. It's essentially the same. Which, to me, actually, that's... God. I mean, we don't have to get into that. But, to me, I would say some of the religious contexts I grew up in, I wouldn't see a massive difference to cults in terms yeah. of the amount of, like,
1: whatever I would agree pressure, with that. guilt, you no, know, like, just yeah. knowing you and knowing your experiences, I would 100% agree with that.
0: Totally. So, yeah, anyway, in terms of, like, the Elizabeth smart girl the extreme case and that's tragic but these other people like you said they grew up with this education those metaphors are not minor
1: they're not, they're tiny not minor. little
0: stories like when you're in your developing age like
1: but i think you know with, with her case it's it's like um mm. it's like we shouldn't have to use this example right yeah but some people need to hear it mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. because
1: like that's the only way that they'll maybe conceptualize why what they're doing is wrong right which yeah. is messed up but like totally You know, these are all women who are also proponents of shaming women for their sex lives. And it's like, it's interesting because my uh, broader family is Catholic and I like my aunts go to church, Mm -hmm. but that was never something in my household. Mm -hmm. Like we went to church, my parents and me and my brother for a very short amount of time. My mother identifies as spiritual. She's a bit of a hippy dippy person. God bless her. (laughs) And even like, so my parents when I was in high school,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I feel like I've told you the story, yeah. but like they found a condom in my garbage can, mm-hmm. or saw one, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think they were sifting through it, <laughs> but my mother made my father give me the sex talk, I love I I just... your father though, I just, <laughs> and he's like the shyest, yeah. like he has a, he's a quiet man with a mustache. God bless him. Yes. You know, he's the type of man who has like a couple of ears and gets very giggly. Yeah. Like, super sweet. Yeah.
0: He's so sweet.
1: He's so sweet. And also, like, I'm wondering <laughs> if this was like my mom, which is like, ha ha ha.
0: <laughs> I'm just thinking like, actually,
1: if I had a shy husband, I would probably make him Oh, it's amazing. It's a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he did it while like, we were in a car together. <laughs> And he was like, oh, okay, so Nicole... Um, also, I just want to say, I really like that you
0: slipped the mustache in there.
1: <laughs> just for the imagery. And just the imagery. Yeah. yeah.
0: Just a little like bit balding on the front. a little
1: balding, yeah. um, mustache, Yugoslavian, super nice. The <laughs> hard worker, you know, yeah, that kind of guy. Sweetheart. Yeah. And he was just like, uh, "Like Nicole, your mom is making me have this conversation <laughs> with you. So we found a condom in your garbage uh we just you know we're really he's like and I'm really happy you're being responsible but you know I just wish you would have waited oh no I was like dad if you do not stop talking I will throw myself outside of the car I love that I was like heard? let's move on yeah like, it was weird at the time, and now when I look back on it, it was, like, it's so funny. Yes, it's so funny. Because God bless him for, yeah. like, getting the courage to do oh that. Oh, my
0: gosh. Like, I wonder how much he was sweating. Yeah.
1: Well, and he, like, I was such a daddy's girl. Yeah. Like, yeah. he was probably like, oh, God, this is, like, my worst nightmare. And yeah. I have to talk about yeah. it. God forbid we have to yeah. talk about <laughs> it. Oh, my God. But, like, I, you know, in high school, I read the vagina monologues. yeah. Like, yeah. I was, like... So empowered in that yes. way, like in yes. just—I mean, we went to a unique school in which it was very like diverse and also like diverse in terms of people's education type. Mm-hmm. Like, I was there for French immersion. Yeah. Other socioeconomic, people socioeconomic. Like, so, like, so different things. Not
0: like, yeah.
1: And it was huge. It was yeah. a huge high school in yeah. Ontario. I'm actually
0: quite grateful for our high school experience. I
1: agree, because yeah. I really think it gave me opportunities to explore things. Like, I took a photography class. Mm-hmm. In which I, like, explored, like, different, like, mm-hmm. creative things and social issues and mm-hmm. realized, you know, I, I took philosophy and insisted on writing a paper on feminism. Yeah, like cool. And I do feel like that kind of education really gave me the tools in my later life to be able to talk about sex, to think about sex in a yeah. way that was healthy. Yeah. And at the time, I don't think I was, like, I don't think I understood sexual identity, and I don't think I understood really the politics of sex. mm-hmm. mm-hmm which mm. I do now. Right. But I think it's set the basis for all totally. of that. The excitement, the empowerment. Yes. Strong
0: base. I don't know. What are some key thinkers or influences that you have that you like love? i that super influenced you at some point in your life or still influence you anywhere from like Beyonce yeah. to bell hooks. Like, you know who? Right. Yeah.
1: Well, in my philosophy class, I <laughs> as like a, what, 16 year old. Mm. I read Gloria Steinem. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. and like her study on, like she did a study in which she like went undercover as a playboy bunny <laughs> you know like yeah. come on yeah, yeah, yeah. what young people are like yes. what young people need to be reading this yeah. shit because it's really great yeah but it, like Eve Ensler who wrote the vagina monologues yeah. like, that was really yeah. impactful to me it's like the vagina monologues is one of the most emotional roller coasters you can mm. go through reading, in mm-hmm. just both empowerment and sadness and arousal and all of the yeah. stuff yeah. that women experience in the diversity of their lives. Yeah. And Were you in the vagina? Box break, I did do it. Yeah, oh, yeah, I did do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. I did my angry vagina, which Woo! I fucking love. It was that. So good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was really impactful, kind of early on in life. I think moving forward, I mean, I'm a sociologist, so people like Patricia Hill Collins, who wrote many novels, but, like, Black Feminist Thought, in which Mm. she, like, took Kimberly Crenshaw's um, idea of intersectionality, Mm. and though I'm, like, weary of using intersectionality as a white woman, and I think that we should be thoughtful about the ways in which we use it, like, even just, like, academically speaking, it was, like, it... It Mm. was an empowering thing for me to read and feel really like connected to kind of like understanding in a deep way systems of oppression because she just writes. Yeah. But if you ever have a chance reading Patricia Hill Collins, she just writes in such a digestible way. Cool. You could be academic, you could not be. Yeah. And just, she just wrote in a way when I read it when I was younger and undergrad that I understood and could Mm. feel passionate about. And Mm -hmm. I think especially, you know, identifies a feminist and I'm like... We, as feminists, often leave women of color behind. Yeah. And I think that being an ally, being, you know, whatever we can be in terms of, like, providing space, providing, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is that is needed is super mm-hmm. important, mm-hmm. especially in terms of talking about sexuality, because marginalized yeah. women of color are, like, in terms of yeah. whether they're sex workers, whether they're trans women. Yeah. I have so much privilege. I know. I
0: was even wondering that, like, how do you manage that... Like, as a sociologist with your... Both with the study that you did on campus... Yeah. And also with what you're doing with your prof. Like, how is that even managed?
1: Well, a huge problem is sample size. So, like, we oversampled with the quantitative study, Mm. uh, especially immigrant populations Mm. Mm -hmm. and various populations that would be considered minorities. Because we... All of our stuff is based on Statistics Canada data. So, if there's only, like... I don't know a small portion of know, like Chinese women yeah. in Canada. Like you want to bump up the amount in order to make statistical inferences sure. compared to like the broader population, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Which is more feasible to do when you have a bunch of money and can pay a company to yes. like run, go like, and get that, seek those in. Yes, that population exactly. for you. Yeah. Whereas, like as a student, mm-hmm. holy moly! Like I mean, I fortunately had a pretty strong sample of folks who were gender non-binary yeah. or, uh, or gender non-conforming, yeah. etc. But, like, it really takes work right. on researchers right. to not just rely on, like... And my... Also, my racial sample was, like, pretty broad. Yeah. Um, which is
0: also fairly... Maybe this is assumptive, but I think lucky in Southern Ontario. That, uh, that is what I see that. in my research. Right. Yeah. I, like,
1: I did my study just yeah. outside of Toronto, right. which is an urban centre. Like, you if still I got had the a different university... Place,
0: But you're at least getting a little bit more of. Yeah, you don't have to go running as far necessarily.
1: It's on us as researchers Mm. to broaden the spectrum and also do targeted studies. I mean, because also like trans women. Mm -hmm. To be fair, it could just be the population in, at the university I was at, but like, Mm -hmm. they are invisible in a lot of research. Like, yeah. they're simply invisible, and so we need to do targeted studies to ensure that we're understanding their lived experiences. Yeah. We, make, we can make a lot of assumptions totally. about how their lives are in terms of dating or relationships or, like, right. whatever it is. What and are like, the key factors that you think would help that? Is that, like, pe- like who gives the funding?
0: Is it the yeah. the um, supervisors, like you say? Is it yeah. the programs themselves? Is it the researchers? Like, where do you think the the main gaps are? Or, like, who could really... So Step I, up. I know? think
1: that I give a lot of grace to students mm-hmm. and non tenured professors because mm-hmm. we live very precarious lives mm-hmm. and we do a lot of work mm-hmm. on very minimal funding. Even if you have like the best grant, usually right. it is not right. nearly as good. Right. Or the best
0: ideas that then the funding comes in and you can't right. execute. Or
1: you're not seen in Canada. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have like a government branch that gives social sciences money, hmm. but it's what they value as important. But it might be measured against like bullying. Okay. So social sciences, right? So like
0: like measured against like yeah, okay. You know, what they so quantify as totally. Yeah,
1: yeah. Sure, those other things totally might be very important, but it, it can leave certain studies yeah completely on un- My study was right. unfunded. Yeah, yeah,
0: are tapped out. You're just like right. Picked, like, the tap dripping. Like yeah. yeah
1: so it really is hard, like in terms of getting that money like doing that research mm. I think as best they can like tenured faculty members I mean I, mm. that doesn't mean that young people shouldn't be doing this work right. but like I wanted you a specific chapter on queer women and I like spoke to queer women I did advertising yeah. like online and in person and it just wasn't happening wow people
0: weren't coming to you
1: people weren't coming to me Wow. And it doesn't mean that... Is that a safe So my stats, like, I have statistical data okay. on queer women. Right. But in terms of focus groups, well, I mean, I wasn't offered... Like, I literally offered, like, pizza and... Right. You can't <laughs> like, pay people. I so don't like, have the money to pay people, yeah. so it's completely their time. Yeah. And, like, they don't know me. They have no yeah. reason yeah. to, like... And safety in term- is huge, I think. Like,
0: not that that's you not offering right. a safe space, but I can totally empathize... With the idea of, like, if you've already maybe gone through awkward and hard conversations, yeah. disclosure becomes that much more of a You just need a little bit more trials, yeah. right? Which... Maybe it's just, there's more risk for you. And I'm
1: dealing with it, a population that's already s- desperately stretched for time. Like yeah, so you had university
0: and... Like, yeah. you
1: know, and so, but I got to a point where I'm like, oh God, I need to finish this dissertation. Yeah. So I, le- I gave up on that. And it's not because I didn't want to do it. It's like when you're in this period of academia, I think it doesn't always work out. Well,
0: and I think that's where we have to, I mean, I feel like also as a white woman, this feels kind of funny to say, but that's where I've had to come to a place of like having grace for academia, social sciences. I think in social work, so many of my friends have had these conversations around yeah. just like the idea of we can only do so much. Totally. And yeah. so just like coming to that realization and that doesn't mean making excuses all the time, but it's also letting letting each other off the hook sometimes and saying you can't do everything perfectly.
1: Of course. You know, and yeah. letting
0: yourself off that hook. If I could go back to another vein. I'm curious about the dating apps. Like, this is kind of going yeah. back almost to the beginning. Because I, I think it's it's fun to talk about... I mean, my dissertation is called
1: Dating in the Digital Age. So... Yeah, <laughs> I, I, thought, I
0: thought we should actually... We should have opened with that. Because I'm like, shit, we didn't even talk about that. Guess what? Body and Wine Podcast is on Instagram and... I love friends. So if you are a friend who has Instagram or you have friends who have Instagram, feel free to add the podcast and share with whoever you'd like. The podcast handle is at body and wine podcast. Add me, share me, like me. I'll add you back.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so fascinating. But what? So many thoughts awesome and feelings about it all. So many thoughts and feelings. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For, like for me, I know. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. Because even the idea of queer women, right? Yeah. Who are queer women? Like, because... Right. Of course, a lot of people self-identify now more and more as queer women. But the, even the word queer, it, it's... It's...
1: Okay, so it's It's intentionally diverse. And also, I feel like queerness... So there was a queer movement in the mm, 90s. Mm. And then it, like, kind of went out of fashion. Mm. And the reason I actually use queer is because I heard a lot of my younger people in my classes, my mm. re, oh it's almost like they're re-engaging with this language of queerness. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally. love it. Yeah. Like I just think it's so mm-hmm. the way that we've like reappropriated mm-hmm. it, it's like it feels just so like Inclusive, mm-hmm. like no matter what you are, you don't have to even have a specific gender or whatever that yeah. you're interested in. And you define it for yourself. And you decide, and you define so, it for yourself. If you identify as queer and I get to know you, I
0: figure out what your queerness means just by yeah. knowing you. At least that's what it means for me. And, and that's my understanding of the word because I've used it for myself totally. a lot. I mean, I use varying identifiers for myself depending on me. who I'm talking yeah. to. But okay. like, oh, and actually, I have two separate planes of thoughts because one was just like, I am fascinated by the next generation. I'm utterly fascinated by them. And because there are some youth now, they know more language than I do to articulate my own sexuality. 100%. And there's even like, and this is what's so fascinating to me about where the world is going. Because I mean, even for myself, like depending on who I'm talking to, I will say if it's necessary in the conversation that I'm either bisexual or pansexual yeah. or queer. It depends on the context yeah, yeah. and maybe how I'm feeling in the moment and and kind of how I maybe generally suss out the other person. You know, I
1: think on your form I wrote that I'm sexually fluid, which I don't think oh, I've cool. ever used before. Oh, that's
0: fun! But I
1: was like, when I was like thinking, I'm like, okay, this seems like most appropriate right now.
0: <laughs> Love that. I mean, in general, I would say like probably queer and pansexual are way more accurate bisexual i kind of only use if i'm i if i'm either in a space where people i just am not ready to have the conversation about what pansexual or queer means totally (laughs) or i just it's just easy you know but but it's kind of amazing because potentially potentially we have a long way to go yeah but potentially we're we're moving to a space where
1: fuck those things not that they don't matter but like
0: Maybe they don't. Well, right? or they're yeah. I mean, and,
1: uh, it's so interesting because like young people have so much more language. Yeah. And I don't really want to into this too deeply, but yeah, there's all like we are living in a very polarized world mm. and I recognize too my position is very contextual. Totally. Yeah. And like I live in an urban space, like teach yeah. in an urban space. I do research and yeah. work in an urban space. Yeah. If we were in like
0: oh yeah my experience in indiana
1: is not going to be like in a small rural town it might be completely different Mm -hmm. but i do i don't know like sometimes when i speak to young people i feel so deeply hopeful and yet i also feel so deeply um concerned Mm -hmm. about the challenges they they face in terms of like using technology Mm -hmm. and the fact that like Mm -hmm. so much of their self-worth is online which we didn't have to, we did a little bit, but not to the extent that yeah, like yeah. they did. Yeah, when you talk
0: about government funding bullying in a way that's like, of course that makes sense. Of course it makes sense. Yeah, when you've got
1: cyberbullying going on, and which yeah. is not even necessarily what they're targeting, but like, right? Because yeah. we, in research, mm. we're way far behind what is actually happening in real life, and right. that's one of our that's the a problems. Whole other thing. Yeah, even my stuff, yeah. like your stuff up will be always. published. Ap- wait, like years after Ten the years Me later. Too movement, like <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think Mm. I'm so I know that you've going back to this conversation about Mm. identity, and I know Mm. you've been on a journey, yeah, in terms of your own identity, yeah. And you know, my experience has been very like complicated.
0: The fun's not over yet, folks. Stay tuned for next time where Nicole and I continue our conversation. We discuss the next generation. We look at sexual identities, both personally and societally. What's changing, what's new, where we're at, what we don't know. And we look at dating apps and technology. Nicole gives us some tips, (laughs) whether you're just starting to date or whether you're in a relationship we talk seriously about atheism, evolving definitions of spirituality, the word God, and we touch on some of my personal journey coming out of conservative religion as well. So stay tuned for next time. And thank you so much as always for listening and sharing and feel free to get in touch with me podcast at charliethegray.com or on social media messaging applications as well. All right. Have a good rest of your day. You're the best.